Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Swing and a drive, right field and deep. Back goes Aquino, it's got a chance, gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It is episode 17 of season three. Cody Bellinger is back. That's right. Don't forget to download, listen, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on all the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram. Of course, we're on Facebook. And you can email Crowley and I, fly the W670 at gmail.com. Well, Crowley, it finally happened, and I found out about it through you with a little ding on my cell phone a little before seven o'clock this morning. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, it's one of those things that I just went to the washroom in the morning and I, I just peeked at my phone. And next thing you know, it, like you said, all the hand wringing, all the sweating, all the panic and the Cubs get Cody Bellinger back. Dustin, I couldn't like rake the leaves. I couldn't put the Christmas lights up without being in a panic, wondering when the news is going to come. And it finally happened. Jed Hoyer wins the stare down with Scott Boris and one fourteen in the morning. It was Jeff Passan who breaks the news and oh it was it was you know I, i'm glad it happened when i was sleeping because i wouldn't have been able to fall back to sleep 114 he says center fielder cody bellinger and the chicago cubs are in an agreement on a three-year 80 million dollar contract bellinger will receive opt-outs after each of the first two years of the deal bellinger 28 returns to the cubs after a prolonged free agency so Boy, remember when Jets in the press conference, when they asked him and he, they, they said, you know, at CubsCon, he said it's the fifth inning. What's happening now? He said, well, the closer's up. Well, he closed right. the deal, right? Yeah, the closer was up and the closer came in and uh, and threw the heat. Now, I, Cody, I, I, I think, Crowley, this deal makes sense for everybody. I'm sure, I'm sure Cody Bellinger would have liked bigger, better, longer. Let's talk about the numbers. Yeah. Well, you know, Boris was looking for six to eight years and a deal worth north of 200 million, but it comes out being a three-year deal, 80 million. Uh, as Passan says, opt out after each year. So the salaries, Dustin, 30 years this year, 30 years next year, 20 years in 20, 20 million in 2026. So 30, 30, and 20. Now, here's the thing, Dustin, it gets a little more tricky when you get into the weeds and you talk about what the an average annual value is. Uh, we have John Becker from Fangraphs in segment two to help us break it down. 
Um, but from a standpoint of how this affects the 2024 Cubs, you know, for on the field, it changes everything as far everything. as everything changes everything. Right. As far as the money is concerned, this is pro- the team you see now is probably, this is it. I, I, I think this is it. You're, you're really, I don't see them going over the luxury tax. I, I think this is as far as the team is concerned, but you know, we were so concerned, Dustin, about how the Cubs we're going to make up the numbers offensively that Cody put up. Who, you know, we were all concerned. We talked about the infielders and the outfielders and who had to add a couple, a little more pop. Who had to get a couple more hits. Last year, Dustin, with Cody in the lineup, the Cubs were 11th in the league batting average, sixth in runs, 15th in home runs, six on base percentage, and 10th in slugging. Cody was named the comeback player of the year in the NL, slashing 307, 356, 525 with 26 home runs, 29 doubles, 59 walks, and 74 RBIs. So, Dustin, we were concerned because those are a lot of numbers that you're going to have to, you were going to have to somehow, with those numbers in there, the Cubs had 83 wins, right? And so you had to think without him, it was going to look worse. He is the straw that stirs the drink, as some would like to say, right? Um, This is a really good day. It's a really good day to be a Cubs fan. The line of flexibility now is crazy, right? You also now have the opportunity to start PCA and feel okay about that in center field. You're going to bat him low. He's not going to lead off or anything like that. You can have him in center, and you can have uh, Cody over at first. And when you don't want to start PCA, assuming he makes the team, you got Talkman. Right. So then Talkman probably be up at the top of the lineup and worst case scenario, you get put Bellinger back in center field. Um, That's the curious part. You know, is he signing as a center fielder? Is he signing as a first baseman? Does he care? Do the Cubs care? That's something we're going to have to wait and see. And he's already in camp. He was there this morning. He's already talking to the guys. Somebody said, oh, I was about to text him. And all of a sudden, boom, here he was in the clubhouse. Yeah, so it was Bellinger and Chapman were working out in one of Boris's camps in Arizona. So in Arizona, he, yeah. he was he was right there, and so like you said, it just makes such a difference because the depth chart it, it just it completely shakes it up, and that that right now is what you know I think everybody's really excited about is that you had no margin for error with the way that it looked earlier, and and now the way that it's looking to me it's. Again, PCA, which everyone has to remember, I think the world of PCA, I think that that PCA is going to be a, a star in the league. But at the same time, Dustin, he's 21 years old. Okay, so it, it's not like he's a guy that like, you know, you know, he's not like, you know, Mervis or, or some of these other guys that are 26, 27. He's 21. And so if you looked at this depth chart, you had Pete, Arms- Pete Crow Armstrong being your center fielder. You had Mer- uh, Bush and, and Mervis and Wisdom being your first baseman. And, and, and this just kind of gives you all sorts of leeway. Um, you know, Bush and Mervis are prospects. They haven't proved anything in the majors yet. So instead of having three positions where you have question marks, center, first, and third, you now knock that down to two, right? right. And so we know Cody Bellinger is a gold glove here in center, and he's probably a gold glover at first. Uh, at the very least, he's above average defensively. So you can put him in either spot. And you're in better shape, I think. Yeah, and you have no sweat. If you wanted to even give him a day to get off his feet a little bit, you could have him DH, right? Absolutely. That's a, that's an option. If you want to give him a day to get off his feet, you could have him. You could have him DH, especially you know on a you get back late on a Thursday night and you got the day game at Wrigley on Friday and another day game on Saturday, and another day game on Sunday. That always doesn't uh, isn't always the best uh, optimal 
uh, use of your uh, energy. So maybe you get him off his feet and you let him uh, just DH one day to keep that bat in the lineup. 100%. And, and you know, Dustin, that Cody's teammates have been advocating for the Cubs to re-sign Bellinger the entire season, whether as at CubsCon, and you remember Dansby's, you know, at one of the sessions saying, hey, we got to go get, we got to get Cody. And, and whether it was in, in Mesa, everybody's kind of talking about it. But now he's here and the players are excited. And we have some audio from some of these guys right here that are just so happy to have him back. Here is what Dansby Swanson had to say about Cody Bellinger returning to the Cubs. Jen and I have a great relationship. Carter and I have a great relationship. And I think that so often it's easy to say, well, do they like, do they care? You know, but they, I mean, they do. They, they love this organization. They love uh, what the city of Chicago and, and the Cubs represent. And they want to do everything they can in order to put us in the best position possible um, to be able to have some success. And like I said, I think that we don't talk enough about like some of the internal things that are going on that have, have really, really uh, shown up from like in just little things for me uh, throughout my time here with just the, the talent and the, uh, the process. And um, so they've done obviously a great job of even building that up and then uh, being able to address, you know, some of the needs at the big league level with uh, some of the free agency stuff. Like there's, there's so many good things that they do that aren't talked about enough. And so I just want to commend them for obviously what they've done uh, not only this offseason, but just throughout the last few years and uh, what they've been able to, to build. And now it's just it's time, to, time to make all that work uh, prove worthwhile. Dustin, we, we talked about it on the last episode. We said Jed's going to either look like a sm- the smartest guy in the room or their Cubs are going to look like a cheapskate. And, and you know, look, look who looks like the smartest guy in the room. He read the market perfectly. He played his hand perfectly. And now they got Cody Bellinger back under their terms. They didn't make any long-term commitment. Yeah, $30 million is a lot of money, but they have the money to spend. Right. So they're not even over the luxury tax. So it's not a big deal. So... You know, I think a lot of people like to criticize Jed, and it's always been that, you know, Jed is Robin to Theo's Batman. But you know what? This is Jed put his stamp here. And, and, and you know, this is going to be, to me, one of the signature moves of, of Jed's tenure right now, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Well said. And it also, to your point, so you have Bellinger for this year for sure. You potentially have him for next year. But that also leaves the door open where you can protect some of these great young guys that they have right? They have these great young players and now they don't have to rush them, but they have cover and you don't have to trade them to get things. So this is great. This is good for everybody. Plus these guys can learn a little something from Bellinger as well. Well, I'm glad you bring that up because PCA, who's probably the guy that's going to, you know, potentially most affected either him or Michael Bush or Matt Mervis who are most affected by this move. Here's what PCA said about Cody Bellinger. It's what we've all been waiting for, you know? So once it gets like really finalized, then I think it'll sink in. But yeah, it's good stuff. Good to wake up to. Have you reached out to him yet? No, I'm waiting to just give him a hug in person. Well, yeah, I mean, he was big for me, but uh, on a different level than he, you know, than his greater impact, I guess, on a bigger scale in here. Like, you have the 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 captain of this team wanting him back, saying it publicly in front of big fans, and then you got guys like me who who really responded to the way he, you know, kind of carried himself in here too. So like he reaches all aspects of this team and, you know, hopefully he just brings that same energy this year. I, I have all the faith in the world that he will. I think that with, 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 when you hear PCA there, just, just the amount that he impacted 
just the entire team, whether it was the veterans, whether it was the young guys. And, and, and like you said earlier, Dustin, is that he's a guy that PCA can really learn from, not just about how to hit, not just how to play defense, but how to carry yourself in a major league clubhouse. Right, and, how to and, be a big leaguer, right? How to be a big leaguer. Right. And I think there's certain guys that are more vocal when it comes to leadership, like Dansby Swanson. And I think there are other guys that are quiet leaders behind the scenes. And that's clearly uh, what, what Cody Bellinger is. And, and he means a lot to these guys. They all are happy. And let's hear from the oldest tenure Cub, hard to believe, Dustin, Kyle Hendricks and what he had to say. Um, we kind of always felt like that in a way, but yeah, Belly was a unique situation. So he's, he's part of this club, you know, he's one of us and it, there was a little void in here for sure before he came back. So just seeing him in here, man, getting a hug, smiling. I know he'll be back to work soon, but yeah, just seeing his body, seeing his face in here was just amazing. So Dustin, I mean, he was being brutally honest there. He said there was a void there. You know, nobody's going to come out, you know, the, the day the camp opens position was that last Monday position players all came there. They're all asked about Cody Bellinger and you're, what are you going to say? Oh, we're focused on here. Everything's great here, but you knew that they wanted Cody back and they, they all, they all wanted Cody back. And, and they were probably tired of getting questions about Cody Bellinger to boot. So I, I think that this just makes the locker room that much happy. Dustin, how about this? This signing comes eight years to the day of Dexter Fowler walking back on the field in 2016. Very cool. Very cool. So, you know, I'm not saying we're going to have 2016, but it just kind of has that feel where, where the guys all accepted that, you know, probably wasn't going to happen. And then out of nowhere, here he is again, like you said, back here this morning, giving hugs to players, chatting them up. Obviously, they're going to have to do physicals and sign the, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's. But, you know, it, it's not going to take long for Cody Bellinger to be back in camp and to be starting in one of these games in the near future. Right. I would think by, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, he'll definitely be in the lineup. No doubt about that. And he's been keeping, you know, he's a he's a guy who keeps in shape. He's not going to have to work himself into anything. And as you mentioned earlier, he was out at a Boris camp out there in Arizona, just a few miles away from where the Cubs working out. Right. And I think, I think it affects pitchers way more than it does hitters. You know, for yep. most hitters, if you hear it, they say, give me a couple of weeks, I'm fine with pitchers. You got to take your time ramping them up. And so that's why, you know, you got to wonder Dustin about the other Boris four uh, that are left, whether, you know, there's Chapman, Matt Chapman, and then you, but you got two pitchers in um, Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery you wonder how itchy those guys are going to be. And I, I really, truly believe that this was Cody Bellinger telling Boris, get this thing done. He's and I think the only one that's not happy right now, Crowley. He's probably the only one, Scott Boras, that's not happy right now over what happened. But, oh, well. Yeah, and, and, and so now, Dustin, you know, the fans are ecstatic. And so this is what Pakoda originally had for the NL Central. They had the the St. Louis winning 86 games, the Cubs roughly at 80, 81 games, Milwaukee 79, uh, Cincinnati 78, and Pittsburgh 73. Now, Pakoda hasn't updated just yet, Dustin, but now kind of taking a look. Now with the moves that the Cubs have made. So if you're taking a look at the offseason, and we said the whole time, Dustin, we've been saying the entire time, that this, you know, it's an incomplete. The offseason's not over. Again, with the with the them being so close to the the CB, you know, the, the luxury tax, chances are if they are going to sign anybody, it's going to be after the all-star break, any additions they may need. I don't see it being a big, big move. But where would you put the Cubs now as far as wins and losses? And where do you see them in the NL Central now that Cody Bellinger's back? Well, when you're paying a guy $30 million a year, he better be worth at least four wins, right? Maybe five. 
maybe more, because he makes everybody on the offense that much better. Everybody's opportunity is increased because he's either on the base passes in front of you, he's protection for you in the order. So I think I think 85 is a pretty safe a pretty safe space to go. And I'm I'm shocked they have the Cardinals at 85. How about you? Yeah, you know, I, I I tried giving Craig Goldstein a whole bunch of grief about that. I still I, I still think Cincinnati is to me way down on their model. And I, I I would put to me, I would say this is going to be a two-team race between the Cubs and the Reds. That's what I say. That's what I'm sticking with. Um, we're watching these games and we'll talk more about that in segment three. But uh, you know, there's nothing that changes my mind that this is going to be a Reds Cubs uh, you know, for first. But like you said, none of these teams are are that far, you know, gonna run away with this. This is not gonna be a situation like the Dodgers being 10 or 15 games ahead no, of all the other. No, this isn't a slam dunk by any by any stretch. No, mm-mm. it's still a, it's like a, it's a it's a competitive and not great division. But like you said, having Cody there, it, it just what it either makes you better at center or better at first. And it it, it it's I think, like we talked about before, I think that we are I think Seiya Suzuki is going to have a really, really good year. And and I'm just hoping, you know, some of these young guys take a step up. And that's what you need. Is I don't think that the Cubs are the best team in baseball or in the National League, but I think they're gonna be a really good competitive team. And I think that we are going once again. For the second season in a row, I can see the Cubs being in in you know in a playoff spot for sure when we enter the month of September. Right, and there's also the Craig Council effect, right? He he's not managing the Brewers anymore; he's managing the Cubs. And the Cubs' thinking last year was if they had had Council as the skipper of the team, they would have been playing in the postseason. hundred percent. Steve Greenberg mentioned that exact same thing, you know, a few episodes back, where. You know, sometimes that happens. Managers cost you, and usually you get a second chance to fix it. David Ross didn't, but there's no way you pass up Craig Council. And and so far, just kind of looking at how camp's gone early on, I'm I'm very excited about this. And, and having Cody Bellinger, this this like I said, you know, th- there was no way that the signature move of the offseason was going to be Council. You knew that with getting ca- Craig Council, you were going to have to get somebody else. Right. Absolutely. And this is again great day. Happy that I uh, woke up to your text a little before 7 a.m. Didn't get to bed until late. I'm out in Iowa right now for a dance competition. So that was uh, was good news to wake up to, Crowley. Thank you very much. In this segment, Crowley interviews John Becker of Fangraphs to discuss the contract that Bellinger signed, what effect Bellinger signing will have on the Cubs' competitive balance tax, and what happens if Cody opts out, and what this means for the rest of the Boris Four. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast I had to get John Becker of Fangraphs on here to help us make heads and tails of this Cody Bellinger contract. John, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm glad that uh, Scott Boris finally uh, got one of his clients to sign, and, and we've got a real big transaction to talk about for the first time in a while. Yeah, you and I were talking earlier, and it was just one of those things where, you know, you wake up in the morning, you, you look at your phone, and then you have to kind of do a double take. It was Jeff Passan first thing in the morning and, you know, three years, $80 million opt out after each of the first two years of the deal. And so when you look at that, you're saying to yourself, wow, you know, because from all reports, Scott Boris was looking for six years, 200 million. I mean, that that's kind of just surprising. And it looks like Jed played it right. Yeah. You know, I think that it was pretty clear, honestly, as soon as, Kevin Kiermeyer, I think, re-signed with the Blue Jays, and um, I think that was actually ooh, maybe a little after Jung Hoo Lee signed with the Giants. It's well, 
you know, either you're going to sign Bellinger to play first base, which gets rid of a lot of his value, or it's going to be the Cubs. And I think Hoyer knew that. I, I, you know, a lot of fans knew that. It's not hard to look around at depth charts and see who's got room and money for him. And, you know, Boris just ultimately, I think, lost the staring contest um, in the end. And, and Hoyer looks like he did the right thing and, and just waiting it out, not um, caving, so to speak. Well, let me ask you a question here. Do you think this was more because, you know, people hate Scott Boris and whatever, but it, it's remember that the agent works for the player, not the other way around. Do you think that this was maybe Cody Bellinger saying, look, Scott, I want to get something done, see what the Cubs best offer they can give me and go that route? Yeah, I think it, it it absolutely could have been. There's obviously familiarity there. There's comfort there. The only other team he's played for is the Dodgers who weren't going to sign him. Um, so that becomes a question of, you know, what does he want to prioritize? And without knowing what other offers he had during the course of the offseason, it's entirely possible that he said, look, it's late February. I'm done holding out for whether it's, you know, six years at a lower AAV, whether it's a similar structure, but four years, um, it's possible you could have said, you know, look, it's late February. I need my time to ramp up. I want to be around the guys. I want to be around Dustin Kelly and the other coaches. Let's just wrap it up. Um, very, very possible that that's what transpired. So the Cubs get what they want, which is short term. And it's obviously $30 million a year is nothing to sneeze at. The Cubs have never had a player make $30 million in a single season. So he he is the first Cub to do that. And, and, you know, it, you know, it gives him incentive that, okay, you know, have another good year and prove it because I think that's what, you know, some fans were concerned about is, you know, after being one of the worst offensive players, the last two years, he comes back next year, but are you going to give a guy six years based on that one year of, of good production. Right. You know, if he was 2019 Cody Bellinger um, or rookie year, Cody Bellinger, um, I, th I think he probably does get that $200 million plus contract because the batted ball metrics look great. He's hitting 40 home runs. Um, you know, he's really the Bellinger of old. This was still a very good Cody Bellinger, but a very new version of a very good Cody Bellinger. And I can understand how teams might want to see, you know, look, he only played 130 games last year. Let's see if he can do it for another 150 and I think then maybe we might get a little bit more of a feeding frenzy next year, especially if, you know, more teams' finances just line up the right way. Now, with Pisani, he, he puts these details out here, but I think it's a little bit more complex than this, John, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on there. According to Jeff, the Cubs are going to pay him $30 million this season, 30 in 2025 if he doesn't opt out after year one, and then 20 in 2026 if he doesn't opt out after year two. But it's not a straight up 30 million, correct, for this year? Right. So the way that the luxury tax is calculated, it's on average annual value and opt out years are included. So as far as the luxury tax is concerned, it's a three year, $80 million contract. So it counts as 26.67 million each year um where it gets weird is if he opts out because if he opts out after year one or year two the aav that he actually played for was 30 million so that's what the cubs should have been charged quote unquote um and they then have to pay that in a later year 
Um, so if he opts out, just for simplicity, if he opts out of just the last year, so let's say he's a Cub for two more years, he opts out. Um, the AAV that he actually played for, two years, $60 million, is $30 million. They have that deficit of um, $3.33 million. That gets put on their luxury tax bill for 2026. They don't physically have to pay the cash, but it's the league saying, okay, you should have paid this much in luxury tax, but we can't reopen the books from two years ago. So we'll just charge you that um, on 2026. Now the luxury tax line is going to be um, at least $6 million higher um, in 2026. Um, I think 2026 is the last year of the current CBA. So it will be $6 million higher. So, you know, if the Cubs have to pay that extra 3 million and change, they'll be fine with it. That obviously doesn't change their calculus. Um, I don't think that's going to let them stop themselves from going out and getting a big free agent. It's just a little quirk of the rules. Um, but that said, as the deal is right now, they're about $4 million under that first luxury tax line. If Tom Ricketts, and it sounds like he sort of does, he hasn't said so explicitly, views that as a hard line, not to cross, or at least not to cross in the off season. Maybe they'll evaluate where they are at the deadline. They're done for the off season. I think that's the reality of it. I think that people are probably going to be pretty happy with Bellinger and Managa and Neris, but it sounds like based on how Tom Ricketts has been talking throughout the course of this off season, they're done and they will probably reevaluate um, at the trade deadline. I don't think Tom Ricketts is going to go to Jed Hoyer and say, Hey, you can't do anything, you know, you let's say they're in first place by two games. He's not going to say you just got to ride with what you got. But I think right now it, it makes sense that they're just done. They like who they have. Bellinger brings important continuity. They're not going to upset the apple cart by signing somebody else, I don't think. So even if Cody Bellinger opts out after year one, which would then make it a $30 million, you know, AAV for yeah. this year, would they still be under the uh, payroll tax as far as the CBT. Yes. So that the, the future charges basically of like equalizing of like the should have been versus what the actual AAV was would only get applied to 2025 and 2026. So for 2024, they don't have to keep that extra 3 million in mind. Um, there's no scenario in which that gets charged to 2024. It only gets charged to the years that he would opt out of. So you know, again, would surprise me, but if Tom Ricketts says you are not to cross the first luxury tax line under any circumstance, they've got four million ish to play with, not virtually zero, because they would have to account for the chance that Bowen drops out. So they have four million to play with. They're four million under that two hundred and thirty-seven dollar tax threshold for the first penalty. Right. Um, and that's of course assuming, you know, maybe Bellinger's back and they decide, okay, we're gonna give Morell a shot at Third, Bush is locked in at first. They trade, you know, Madrigal or Wisdom, let's say. So, of course, there's more flexibility that can be done. Um, but I think that it would shock me if they added another major league player um, as the offseason draws to a close. Okay. And so th that that makes a, some more sense for me because when you talk about the, what it's really worth, et cetera, it, it kind of gets a little bit confusing. So the Cubs have $4 million to play with. And again, it, it, you know, you can go over that first luxury tax hold and threshold and 
you know, the penalties aren't absolutely horrendous. Um, as I kind of take a look at this, the question then is what's going to happen, do you think, for the rest of the Boris Four? Is that going to be one of those situations where, okay, so the damn broke, are these other three guys you're talking about, you know, Snell and you're talking about um, Chapman and, and uh, Jordan Montgomery, do you see any of those three guys kind of going up to Scott Boris and saying, hey, look, you know, this is, uh, you know, we're, we're getting nervous. Uh, you know, this guy's already left. Do you see, do you see more of these guys kind of falling? Is he the first domino? Yeah, I think, you know, as much as I don't like to say, okay, because Cody Bellinger did this and we won't know the, you know, exact circumstances of if he went to Boris and said, look, just get it done. The season starts in a little over a month. Um, if these guys don't want to hold out until after the draft, which I doubt they do, um, especially the two pitchers have to get signed sooner than later. So I really sort of adjusted what I'm thinking um, as of this morning. And I, I really think just based on how little we've heard, it wouldn't surprise me if Chapman has to take one year. It wouldn't surprise me if Montgomery has to do a similar three or four year deal with opt-outs like Bellinger. And it wouldn't surprise me if Snell maybe does something like, um, probably a little bit less on the average annual, but similar to the Scherzer and Verlander contracts of the really high average annual short term. Um, and I'm sure Snell would get opt-outs in there. Um, the issue is that, you know, the other two guys, the other three guys are all older than Bellinger. Bellinger can re-enter free agency at 28. Um, Snell, Montgomery, Chapman, I believe will all be in their age 31 seasons uh, this year they're not getting any younger. So, you know, and especially for Snell and Montgomery, it's tough to see them having a much better platform here. So are they just sort of delaying the inevitable of having another tough market if they were to opt out or just sign a one year? Um, you know, it, that's where it's tough is do they, do they prioritize that? I'll just take the biggest guarantee I can get over five or six years, even if it's not what I was expecting, just because, well, I'm not getting any younger. I'm not going to have much better of a platform year. And, you know, that's just sort of the breaks sometimes with free agency, unfortunately, is that things just don't line up timing wise um, the way that, that people wanted it to. We saw it with Harper and Machado um, getting, you know, waiting until March and getting a lot less than people thought that they would. All right. Well, my question then here, because if, if those guys are going to sign one year deals and we said the competitive tax is 237 for the for the first tier, how much more is it for the second tier? So for the second tier, um, it's another 20 million. So it would be up to 257. Um, the Cubs would be a first time payer as in they didn't pay it last year. So they they reset. Um you know, if, if they were to go for one year, then I believe the first line is for first time, it's 10% on the dollar, then 30% on the dollar, then 50, then 70. Um, so, you know, let's just say that they can squeeze Stahl, Montgomery, or Chapman. You know, let's just say it's not the Cubs. It can be any team for, you know, $35 million for one year. Well, that first $20 million got taxed at 10%. So you're adding $2 million right there. And that last $10 million gets taxed at 30%. Or, so you're adding another um, $3 million. So, you know, I've seen a talk about, oh, why don't the Yankees jump back in on snow? Um, well, they're at the top tax line 
and they were over the luxury tax last year. So I believe it's at least it might be over a hundred percent at this point. So it almost incentivizes doing the sort of, um, you know, Xander Bogarts type two last year, um, or really all of the big shortstops last year of take a longer term than expected to lower the average annual to, you know, lower that tax hit that teams have to take. But on the flip side of things, teams don't seem to want to give out those hugely long contracts this offseason. I think especially when you consider just the flaws that Snell and Montgomery and Chapman have, you know, these are not generational players. These are very good players, but it is not hard to see them really falling off after three or four years. I guess the thing that I'm looking at, especially when you talk about those pillow deals, is that the Cubs have a bunch of dead money on the books when you talk about uh, Trey Mancini, Eric Hosmer, uh, Tucker Barnhart. I want to say there's someone else I'm missing that, you know, it's, it's, it's about $15, $17 million. It's just kind of going to guys that aren't on the team anymore, but that money will be off the book next year. You know, I, I, it's just kind of something I'm kind of keeping in mind now that, that you know, wondering if Montgomery or now or someone wants to sit there and say okay you know you got that one-year pillow contract it's not ideal but but could the Cubs potentially jump in on one of these guys knowing that okay we're going to be you know I think Kyle Hendricks's numbers are or are, are dollars are off the books it's another 16 you're starting to add up like 30 million dollars off the books for next season yeah I think you know we we heard enough about the Cubs interest in Juan Soto and, and Pete Alonso in trade this off season, where you have to imagine they'll be going pretty hard for both of them next off season. So I think if they can make another move that makes 2024 better without affecting anything about the books in 2025, I think they'd have to at least consider that now, whether they want to, you know, sort of, renege on the oh we want Chris Morrell to focus on third but now we're going to bring in Matt Chapman or we have a fifth starter competition but now we're going to bring in Montgomery or Snell you know they have to be careful about those mixed messages but financially if they're fine going over the luxury tax I think that that would be something at least worth considering especially considering that I think their 2025 payroll right now without arbitration or anything just guaranteed contracts we have them at 144.5 million um, for 2025. The first luxury tax line is going to be um, 240 million, I believe. That's a lot of room. I don't think they want to do anything to add to that, knowing that Soto and Alonso are free agents. But they might view 2024 as that big year of let's try to win a division and be really good, and we can sell ourselves better to these free agents next offseason. Well, John, I, I really appreciate you jumping on a last minute notice. You, you've given me a lot to think about. And I think for Cub fans, you know, this is a very nice surprise. And, and you know, it was kind of Jed was talking about, hey, you know, we're in the ninth inning here. The warm setup man's up here. And all of a sudden this move happens. And now, you know, what else does Jed have up his sleeve? You know, so who knows? But I appreciate you kind of explaining the dollars and cents to our listeners. Where can they find your work uh, online and where are you at on the socials? So they can find me on Fangraphs at the any of the payroll pages. I try to update those freakishly quickly after anything happens. Um, and if you want to talk baseball with me, you can find me on Twitter at John Becker underscore. John, appreciate you jumping on. And uh, thank you so much again for your time. Of course. Thanks for having me.
You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It is season three. It's episode 17, and Crowley, Cody Bellinger is back. Yes, exciting news as I woke up this Sunday morning to your text. But uh, we've got some games to talk about as well. The Cubs uh, hit the field on Friday, took on the White Sox, and I know the first thing we wanted to talk about were the new lineups of Craig Council in spring training. Yeah, I was really impressed, Dustin. I thought it was a really good mix of veteran and prospects. And I like the fact that, you know, giving the young guys a chance to start off the game rather than just kind of coming in towards the middle or the end. I also like how Council is, you know, these first three games, the start of each game has been guys that are in that competition for that fifth starter spot. So, hey, he's he's given them a ch- chance to uh, show what they got. So we'll see what happens, right? Right. I did like uh, Jordan Wicks getting out there right off the bat. He's one of the guys in the mix, right, for that fifth starter spot. It was good to see him. You know, what did he go? One and two-third innings of work, was working on a certain pitch. Um, but a uh, little pop in that Cub lineup in that first game on uh, Friday <laughs> afternoon, huh? Little pop, little pop. Yeah, we're, we're the, the main thing we're not going to do is overreact to spring training games, but we really want to look at some of the questions that the Cubs have facing the season. And one of those questions was, let's let's talk about that pop. Um, when you looked at the lineup that came out, it was Happ at left, Morel third, which we wanted to see Amaya catching, Mervis at first, uh, Canario uh, in right, Pete Crow Armstrong in center, Luis Vasquez at short, Joe Hudson, the, the non-roster invitee catcher DHing, and Matt Shaw, the youngster, getting to second base. So that's what I'm talking about, that mix. Absolutely loved it. And you know, Jordan Wicks was on the bump, and I thought he looked okay, Dustin. The first inning, nice one, two, three inning, striking out the first batter of the game. But I wonder about this, Dustin, because the offense had a long bottom of the first inning. Mm-hmm. They were they they batted around, and I wonder if sitting on the bench as long as he, as Wicks did affected him because I thought he looked less sharp in the second. Um, he got the first out, no problem, but then White Sox DH Tim Elko. Homer to right, followed by uh, Domini Fletcher hitting a single. After getting the next batter ground out, he committed a couple of fielding errors on the same play, a weak roller off the bat of former Cub, Martin Maldonado, that Wicks just could not pick up. And, you know, the inning would have been over otherwise, but, he, you know, Martin Maldonado is not a speedster, let's just put it that way. Had all the time in the world to pick that up. <laughs> yeah, he's not done. He's not known for his wheels, that's for sure. No, and so, you know, he doesn't make the play. His day is done. Hunter Big comes in and finishes the inning. I thought, like you said, Jordan Wicks, it was okay, but he talked about, you know, that he was kind of, you know, working on some pitches, those type of things, which, you know, is normal. Here's what uh, Jordan Wicks had to say about his outing. Do what you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, the main thing for the first one is just get out there and get back to, you know, having the juices flowing and get used to being in games. Um, you know, for the most part, we wanted to kind of feature everything today, which we did. Um, you know, there were some times where, like, you know, if we're in a regular season game, we'd probably pitch a few situations differently, but we wanted to see some stuff in some certain situations, which I feel like we did. Um, I thought the things we worked on this offseason, which was mainly the spin, I thought that looked really good. Um, I was excited about that. And, you know, there's just some some stuff, obviously, to clean up. So, you know, it is spring training. It's early on. But, you know, it's good to get that feedback early so now we know going into the next one, okay, you know, these are things we really want to focus on. You kind of mentioned it right there, but 
that slider that you're working on, mm-hmm. how big will it be to start seeing how hitters are reacting to it? Yeah, it'll be huge. Um, you know, to get some, you know, really game action reps, you know, because you can you can try to mimic it and, you know, live BPs and everything you want to, but you don't really get your true answers until you see it in a game situation against hitters from another team like we did today. And so, you know, I was happy with, with what we saw so far. So, you know, just going to keep building and, and keep going. You know, you're talking about that slider. That's the big thing for him. And I like the fact that he mentioned, you know, like if you're, there's no way. And this is when we were talking about Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell. You can sit there and throw all the live BPs you want. It's not the same as being in a game and seeing how a hitter reacts to a certain pitch that you're throwing. And so I think Jordan, you know, had all the right things to say. And, and you know, he's going to look better the next start, clean some things up, and it should be good, right? Right, I agree. The only thing you're a little, you know, the the defensive issues that the, that those are the kind of things that you would rather not um, see going on because again, they are the the pitchers are definitely working on things, and then they get in a situation, right? You get a guy on, or you, you you've got two guys out, and a certain guy is coming to the plate. So it's you're it's situational, and you're just working on little things. It's not like a game type situation. But the fielding errors, if if there was one complaint, that would be my big complaint is the fielding errors. Clean. I'm that for up. sure the. <laughs> I'm sure they'll get him a little PFP in the backfields or something. No, no problem there. Um, pitcher fielding uh, practice. But, uh, you know, I talked about that bottom of the first. The Cubs absolutely lit up. The White Sox rolled out, Dustin. 40-year-old Jesse Chavez. He was with the Cubs twice in the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got to wonder how much he has left in the tank. Hap leads off and singles up the middle, which, Dustin, that was one of the things. Ian Hap leading off. With the way that that guy gets on base, please, please, God. Let that be a regular thing. Right. He shouldn't and, be batting f- fourth or fifth. No, no, he should be up at the top. He has one of the best OBPs on the team. Let him let him be a, a one or two. And then if and then have Nico be the opposite. You know, either Nico one or Ian one, and then the other guy two. I'm fine with that. He gets on with a nice single up the middle. And then Christopher Morrell, two-run blast. Good to see the bat still works. Dustin Morrell is homered against the White Sox in his last two consecutive at bats. The last time he hit a walk-off home run versus the Sox where he tore off his jersey. Yep. So fun to see Christopher Morrell still having that pop. Um, Amaya, Miguel Amaya would single, Mervis and Canario strike out, but then PCA hits a ball to right center. I think it would have been a single for most hitters, but that speed, he turned it into a double. Luis Vasquez is going to walk, and then Joe Hudson, a non-roster invitee catcher, hit a double down the line to clear the bases, and the Cubs were up 5 to nothing. How about Matt Shaw? First spring training game for the Cubs there. He hits a double to score Hudson and make it 6 nothing. Again, the Cubs are going to bat around in the fir- in that first inning. They're going to add two more in the fifth after Canario singled. PCA's hit by a pitch. Luis Vasquez grounds out to move up the runners. And then Joe Hudson hits an infield singer to third. The throw is it, so there's two outs. He throws it from third. The throw's not in time. Canario scores easily, and PCA's flying around. He scores from second on an infield single. Dustin, that that's PCA can be a disruptor on the base pass. We yes. know that. Yes, and, it can. And so it was just, you know, I know some people are like, well, it was two outs. You just saw the wheels on that kid. It wasn't even close. He was right behind Canario. The other thing is it didn't, he he tried to lay down a bunt and it was not, not a bad bunt. It just landed a little bit foul. That's something that Craig Council wants PCA to incorporate in that game. You, you know, use the speed. You remember that movie Major League with Willie Mays Hayes and the coach right. used to make him do push-ups every time he hit the ball up. Yeah. Get the ball on the ground and let your speed, you know, be be the thing that defines you. Yeah, let it be your best asset. No doubt about it. 
And so Hap was one for three. Morello one for three with a homer. Amaya one for three. Canario one for three. PCA one for two, and he scored two runs. Dustin, on the pitching side, there was some impressive performances. And the one that most fans were talking about was Caleb Killian. Uh, Killian, who came to the Cubs in the Chris Bryant trade, he pitched two innings and gave up no hits, struck out two batters with zero walks. He was hitting 98 MPH on the radar gun. Uh, that that looked really good. Let's let's hope he keeps that up. Yeah, no doubt about that. Good to see him with that because uh, he's a he's one of those guys. He's a tweener type. Not really exactly sure what his role is on this team. But it was interesting. Um, I think it was last week. Craig Council talking about the the starting five and everybody's worried about the fifth starter. And he said, I, I get that, but you know we're going to end up needing probably nine guys to start games for us. And, and Caleb William Caleb Killian might be one of those guys that's going to get a start here and there. Absolutely. Another reliever who came in throwing gas was 2019 12th round draft pick Hunter Big, who was throwing in the upper 90s. Uh, Non-roster invitee Richard Lovelady, who Cubs Twitter has affectionately named Dick Lovelady, looked really good, as did Bailey Horn and Jose Quas, who both threw two strikeout innings. Uh, Horn's a lefty that the Cubs acquired in the Ryan Tapera trade from the White Sox. Um, he's been on a couple of those championship teams for the minor leagues Cubs. He's definitely a guy to keep an eye on, but you know, when you sit there and, and, and the Cubs walk away with this run with a, with a nice victory, I mean, you know, eight to one, you're going to take that every day. It, it was just a fun opening day at Sloan park. Absolutely. Anytime you can beat the white Sox is a good day. As far as I'm concerned, I don't care who was pitching for them. I don't care who was hitting for them. I don't care who was or who wasn't in the lineup. Cubs beat the white Sox. I'm happy. Absolutely. Uh, the Cubs would then go uh, to Scottsdale to take on the Giants, Smiley versus Logan Webb. You had Talkman at center, Magical at third, Wisdom at first, Mervis again for a second day in a row in the lineup, DHing, uh, Jorge Alfaro catching, Master Buani at shortstop, Alcantara and right, Brennan Davis at left, and Matt Shaw getting two starts as well. So Mervis and um, Shaw getting two starts. So that was kind of cool to see. Look, the White Sox are not a good team, Dustin. They probably may lose 100 games, and Jesse Chavez is an over-the-hill reliever. So I felt that, you know, against the Giants and and, and Cy Young candidate Logan Webb, it'd be a better test to see what little, the Cubs had. A little better measuring stick, okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and the results were pretty much the same. The offense was crutching, and the pitching was fantastic. The Cubs uh, had an 8-4 to victory over the Giants, and, and you know, I, I, I just – you know, he kept that fifth starter competition going with Drew Smiley starting and getting, you know, getting the start. He looked shaky in the first inning, giving up two walks and a wild pitch before getting J.D. Davis to ground into a double play to end the inning. But he looked much better in the second with a one, two, three inning, getting a fly out and two ground outs. Tommy Hadovy was on the marquee broadcast and he was asked about Smiley. And he felt that Smiley was trying too hard in the first to kind of show off some of the new pitches and just kind of got away from, look, get strike one, and then start to work around that. And I think you could see Smiley make the correction in the second. So his outing was kind of the flip of what happened with Jordan Wicks. I thought that he looked better in the second in the first, and I thought Wicks was the opposite, looked better in the first, a little less in the second. But that's why Tommy's one of the best in the business. Right, and you're not going to worry about Drew Smiley right now either. And again, as much as I'm – I worry about everything, you know, these the pitching I'm not going to worry about unless somebody gets hurt because they're working on stuff. So just everybody keep that in mind as you're watching it. If I'm going to be okay with it, if I'm going to be able to live with it, you <laughs> should be able to live with it too. 100%. And, and you remember last time we were on this podcast, I said, do not forget about Brennan Davis. He was injured the last couple of years. 
But there is no doubt that he is a blue chip prospect. He was twice the Cubs minor league player of the year, the futures game MVP. He would have been injured. There's not much you can do. I mean, you know, I, I know what they say, you know, the best ability is availability. And if Brendan's available, he's going to make, uh, you know, he's going to be trying to get a job on this team as well. He had a big day with two outs in the first and runners on second and third. He hit a two out RBI single off Logan Webb to put the Cubs up to nothing. Davis would also hit a solo home run with two outs in the fourth. He finished his day going two for three with a home run and three RBIs, Dustin. Great to see. Yep. Great to see. Great to see him back. Good thing he's healthy. And, uh, you know, he is part of that uh, very crowded, very young, very talented outfield mix that the Cubs have in the uh, in the organization right now. Yeah, Mike Talkman was one for two with a walk and scored on a Patrick Wisdom double. So P. Wiz getting his first RBI. Kevin Alcantara, El Jaguar, was playing right field. And I don't know if you saw this, Dustin. He got he was wearing the Jaguar glove. It's really, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. But he didn't he had an RBI single to score Matt Mervis, who had a good day at the plate. He went one for two with the walk and scored two runs. And I think that he's been his at bats. He's been having really good competitive at bats. And so, you know, take your walks. And, and that's the thing is, you know, he was able to score two runs as big. Owen Casey came in later in the game and in the eighth, he drew a really nice two out walk and he was along for the ride when David Bodie hit a two run home run to left center David Bodie still has pop in that bag. There, he's still hanging around. You, Gotta love that guy. Dustin, love that story. Love that story. I mean, like he's on the last year of the deal. It's five million dollars. I'm, you know, I wonder if if the Cubs could find somebody that could give him a start in the majors. It's not like he's breaking the bank. No, no, he's not breaking the bank. But you know, yeah, like I could see him with the like the Florida Marlins, maybe or something like that. Right. Pittsburgh Pirates, I, right. I am just surprised he hasn't. And I understood before because of the size of the contract, but it's the last year. It's $5 million. Uh, you know, other, I'm just surprised. And so Chase Strumpf hit a solo homer in the ninth to make it eight to nothing. But Miles Mastroboni, he's not going to pop out at you on this. He was one for three. He stole a base and he made some nice defensive plays at shortstop. And I feel like he was a guy that got beat up a lot last year. And I don't really want to say it's his fault. He was a very young guy. And originally they put him in the outfielder and he's an infield. I mean, imagine playing in April with the wind howling in and you've, you know, never played there before. I mean, he just kind of was put that to me is one of those things I want to know. And I doubt anyone will ever tell me whose idea it was to put him in right field. That was just a stupid idea when Seiya Suzuki was injured. I think Miles Mastroboni is going to add some value to this team. He's not an everyday starter, but he's a guy that can fill in and do little things. He's a fast guy, you know, and again, at shorty, look, he made some pretty good plays. Um, right, but again, once- at some point, you're going to get some roster construction things here, like Mastroboni, Madrigal, like, you know, who's Talkman, like who who's, who's going to be on this team and who's not going to be on this team? Well, and again, it's like we talked about in segment two when we were talking about the contract and the CBT. You know, if you can get rid of Miles Mastroboni, is not really costing you anything. But if you can free up Nick Madrigal or if you can free up, uh, you know, a, a guy like David Bodie, who you're still paying and he counts against your CBT, that, that I think the guys that have a little bit more contract, you don't want to get rid of those guys. The other thing you're looking at is options as well. So, yeah, options is a big part of it, right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Now, the Cubs pitching staff after the starter came out looked fantastic. Ben Brown went two innings. He gave up two hits and a walk. Uh, getting those walk down, though, is going to be a big key for Ben. And, and, and you know, I know Tommy Hodovin's been on the Mullion Haw show and talking about, you know, a lot of the, and you talked about earlier too, you have to get the innings that they're looking for. 
And if, if Ben Brown may not be a starter this year, but he could maybe be a, a bullpen piece. And that's exactly how Justin Steele got his start coming out of the pen. And then, and then later on as a swing man, and then later on a starter before making the all-star game last year, Dustin, our guy, Luke little pitched a scoreless inning, didn't give up a hit. He did hit a batter, but he had a strikeout, and he was also throwing some heat. Sam McWilliams, Riley Thomas, and Blake Wyman all pitched scoreless innings. Again, the Cubs were up uh, eight to nothing in the ninth. The Giants scored four in the ninth inning with two outs off Chris Karshmer and Joe Nahas. That happens sometimes at the end of the blowout games, but this game was nowhere near as close as an eight. Eight to four is not even really close, but it wasn't even that close. It wasn't even that close, right? So, uh, again, nothing to get uh, too upset about, nothing to get overly excited about. Good news. Nobody's hurt, right? People are working on stuff, so this is a good thing. All, all Listen, Crowley, all happy and good right now in my Cubs kingdom. Okay, All yes, happy. Yes, sir. And, and uh, you know, in, in game three of this weekend on Sunday – uh, you had again that 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 audition going on, and it was uh, this wrote uh, Javier Assad took the bump for the Cubs. Nico Horner, Ian Happ, Dansby Swanson, all in the lineup. Christopher Morel back at third. Gomes at center. Wisdom DH and Mervis at first base. Canario right field and Pete Crow Armstrong in center. So again, a good mix of veterans and young guys in there. Mervis again with the start. So. We Mervis, have not and our, seen, Mervis and Crow Armstrong getting a lot of opportunities. Right. We have not seen Michael Bush yet, and we have not seen Seiya Suzuki. So neither of those guys have played anything yet. So not saying anything. I'm not making any predictions. I'm just kind of pointing that out, just something to kind of kind of look at. But um, Javier Assad kind of struggled in this outing, Dustin. It was not the greatest, but again, he went 1.1 innings, gave up three hits, uh, three uh, two earned runs, two walks. Um, so it just, I felt like he was getting squeezed a little bit by the umpire. It wasn't the absolute, He's you know, but me, man. He squeezed. He, he, there was he some me. squeezing going on. And I, I would also say that, uh, he did give up some hard contact. Uh, the Cubs offense so far though, has not done anything against San Diego's pitching. Uh, we're already about through the sixth inning and they only have one hit Dustin. Uh, you know, that's obviously not going to cut it. Um, but the, uh, uh, one guy that I want to kind of talk about, Daniel Palencia went an inning and he didn't give up any hits and he runs. He's, he's a flamethrower. He's a guy that, you know, he has options. So we might not see him at the start of the year, but I feel like he's going to play a big role on it. The other guy that uh, is one of my big guys, the guys that I really, really love cam Sanders. He went an inning and he had two strikeouts Faced three batters, got two strikeouts. But, but the one thing Dustin, we were looking for here is swing and miss stuff. Right. So when you talk about Luke Little, when you talk about Cam Sanders, when you talk about Daniel Palencia, this is the point where all of these this young talent is starting to bubble up. You saw it start to kind of come up last year. And I think you're going to see it this year even more. More of these young guys that, that can throw it to 96, 97, 98. I'm tired of having guys coming out of the bullpen throwing 91, 92 miles an hour. That's not going to cut it in today's Major League Baseball. Nope, Crowley, you're right. It will not cut it. That uh, that kind of stuff won't cut it. And you know, Craig Council and uh, Tommy Hadovy and the guys, they'll get it all. Uh, they'll get it all figured out. Plenty of uh, plenty of games coming as uh, we get this podcast going next week, right? Full slate yeah, of action. Yeah, full slate of action for next week, and so that that that'll be exciting. The last thing about this this Padres game is the fielding a little bit sloppy. You got three errors, and that that is clearly. Uh, too many errors right now. So as far as the Cubs are concerned, 
Uh, obviously not the best game that they've had so far. I, I would definitely say, um, but, but again, like you said, full slate of games coming up for next week. And so by the time that we come on next time, Dustin, they're going to, you're going to see them. They're going to have a matchup against the Royals, Cincinnati and Milwaukee. So two division teams that are on there and then Colorado on Thursday. So, uh, and that, and, and then that Thursday game against Colorado is the last day of February. So, uh, that means Crawley's in spring training in two weeks, two weeks, three weeks. So like you get two there two, two weeks, you know, give or take, you know, whatever. Again, remember, everything is so good right now, Cub fans. Everybody is happy because Cody Bellinger is back. That's right. This is season three. It's episode 17. That's a wrap. We're going to uh, keep our eyes and ears on everything going on. We will hear from Cody Bellinger. We will hear from Craig Council. We will hear from uh, who else are we going to hear from? We're here from Carter Hawkins. We're going to hear from Jed Hoyer. That's all going to happen early this week. And right after that happens, you will hear from Crowley and I again. Don't forget to listen. Don't forget to download. Don't forget to give us that five-star review. That's a wrap, Crowley. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and uh, have a great start to the weekend. How could you not? Because Cody Bellinger is back. He's back. Go Pubs. It's all over.